Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with our listeners again today. And we're so thankful that you're there and that we have the opportunity to be here with you through this medium of radio. On Search the Scriptures, we do exactly that. We get into God's Word. We dig deep, look at it in detail, peel the layers of the onion back, so to speak. But at the same time, we try to explain the teachings that we find in God's Word in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for your daily life. We want to help you grow in your faith. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And of course, without faith, it is impossible to please God, Hebrews 11 and verse 6. So we want to help you grow in your faith, and as you grow in your faith, then you should be coming closer to God. We want to help you come to God all the way through Jesus Christ, helping you to understand your need to repent of your sins. That is, change your life. Confess your faith openly in Christ as God's Son and your Lord and Savior and surrender to Him in baptism, at which point the blood that He shed on the cross so long ago is still absolutely effective to cleanse you of the guilt of your sins. You can be reborn by so doing. You can be made new, as Paul put it in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7, uh, 17. We want to help you come to that point. We want to help you get to heaven. At the end of the program today, we'll offer a free Bible class, a Bible study, that we send out through the mail. We send it all over the country, literally. It is free. We'll even take care of the postage. All you have to do is respond and ask for it. We'll tell you how to contact us at that time. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD for free. And again, we'll take care of the postage. So have a pencil or pen and a piece of paper ready. And at the end of the program, just a few minutes from now, you can jot down that information and then contact us and ask for the free Bible study and or the CD, again, for free. We are into a study on the grace of God. And we've talked about how grace, and particularly in respect to God's grace, is really difficult to define. I think it's more easy to describe it, to point it out, than it is to define it in words. But we've talked about that, and we've tried to, to understand in a kind of illustrative way, at least, what we're talking about when we're talking about God's grace. It has been defined as God's unmerited favor toward man. Now, that sounds kind of technical. It's talking about the fact that God offers us, God's favor is offered to us when we don't deserve it, when we cannot earn it. It's been talked about as, it's, well, it's been put into an acrostic form, taking the letters of the word G-R-A-C-E and, and making them stand for God's riches at Christ's expense. What is the best thing that God could do for us? You know, we focus on physical life so much in this world. Some people might think that well, the best thing that I could expect from God, that I could want from God, is for him to make me a rich and wealthy individual so that I'll have no more cares financially or economically. Someone else might be stricken by some dreaded illness. 
And they might say that the best thing I could expect from God, I could hope for from God, would be for him to heal me of this dreaded disease. Somebody else might have some physical handicap, and they might say, if God would only heal me, restore me, make me whole again, that would be the best thing that I could wish for from God. See, all of those things have to do with life in this physical realm. The greatest thing that we should be looking for from God, that we should be wanting, desiring, praying for, is forgiveness, salvation, eternal life, a home, with he- a home in heaven with God through Jesus Christ. Nothing this world has to offer compares with that. So, grace, God's unmerited favor, his riches at Christ's expense, We talked about justice being when we get what we deserve, mercy when we don't get what we deserve, but grace being when we receive goodness that we absolutely do not deserve. God so loved the world, a world caught up in, a world consumed by, a world sullied by sin. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3 and verse 16. In Romans 5 and verse 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, Christ didn't die for good people. He didn't die for deserving people. He died for sinners. And that's all of us, you and me. Because in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, the Apostle Paul wrote that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, the wages of sin is death, Romans 6 and verse 23. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. As sinners, We could not forgive ourselves because, you see, we were sinners. A sinner cannot effect his own forgiveness. He cannot bring about his own forgiveness by himself. We're totally dependent upon God for that forgiveness. We noted how Isaiah wrote, that our sins separate us from God. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. So, our sins separate us from God. The wages of sin is death. We cannot forgive ourselves. God stepped in and made the way for us to be forgiven anyway because he loves us that much. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9 tells us that Jesus was made a little lower than the angels in that he came in human form to taste death for everyone by the grace of God. 
That's God's grace. That's God's grace. Now we've talked about how it seems that most people, when they teach on God's grace, they talk about it being all God, no us. Now, when it comes to the salvation, that's absolutely right. It's all God. It's none of us. But we have begun to note how that comes up short of the total picture of our salvation by God's grace. We don't save ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. Salvation is totally by the grace of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. You have been saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Nothing we can do, no amount of good works that we can perform are sufficient to obligate God to owe us our salvation. It is totally by his grace that he saves us. But to suggest that there's nothing that God expects of us in response to his offer of salvation by grace is frankly ridiculous. It's unreasonable to think such. And so we've, began, we've begun looking. What does God expect of us? On Pentecost, when that first gospel, recorded gospel sermon was being preached, and Peter's words are the ones that are highlighted, after Jesus ascended back to heaven, as the church came into existence on this earth, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 40, Peter said, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. King James Version. Now he wasn't saying that somehow you have the ability to by yourself on your own through some power of your own to save yourself. That's not what he was talking about. But he was talking about a response. He was preaching to them the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of salvation. They needed to respond to that message in obedience, in faith. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, the Hebrews writer said, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, now that is an active response on our part, coming to God. You see, that's a response that God expects of us, to come to him. Remember that Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We have to come to the Savior. We have to come to God through the Savior. So Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, He who would come to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's an active response. Coming to him 
believing as we come. And Jesus said as much about we must believe in him. In John chapter 8 and verse 24, I said therefore unto you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, the Son of God, the Savior, you will die in your sins. So believing is an active response that God expects of us to his offer of grace, salvation by grace. Did you know that Jesus referred to belief, believing as a work in John chapter 6 and verse 29? But it's not just believing. Now again, such belief is active. Some people seem to think that faith is a gift from God. It's just bestowed upon you. No, that's not true. Again, what does Romans 10 and verse 17 say? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So boiled down, that statement means faith comes by hearing the word of God. So we've got to listen, but listening is not enough. We've got to believe. But even believing is not enough. We've got to put that into practice in our lives through obedience. That's what real saving faith is. If God just bestowed faith upon a person, whether that person wanted it or not, the natural question ought to be, why did he not bestow it upon every person? Because there are a whole lot of people out there who do not believe in God. A whole lot of people out there who might believe in God, but they don't believe in Jesus. And a whole lot of people who might say, oh, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, but they certainly don't live a Christian life. They don't obey God's teachings. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, we find something else that God expects of us in response to his offer of salvation by grace. When Peter and John were preaching the gospel of Christ, to the multitude who gathered after the lame man had been healed. In verse 19 of Acts chapter 3, they told that crowd, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Now notice the wording there. Repent and be converted. That is changed, and that's what repentance means, Literally, it means a change of mind, but it's understood that it means a change of mind that leads to a change of life. So repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That your sins may be blotted out without repentance. And that's an active response on our part to God's offer of salvation by grace. Without repentance, we cannot be forgiven. And without forgiveness, there can be no salvation because the wages of sin is death. 
Now, God offers us the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Again, going back to Romans 6 and verse 23, but we must be forgiven of the sins because the wages of sin is death. So he says, repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Do you know that the first word that is recorded for us in Scripture in Acts chapter 2 and Pentecost, when many of those Jews gathered there that day, having heard the gospel message of salvation through Jesus Christ, having asked Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? The very first word recorded in Scripture in Peter's response is repent. You need to make an active change in your life. God expects that of you. Now he goes on and says, and be baptized in the name of the Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. But first, you've got to repent. You've got to change your life. You've rejected the Savior. You've got to accept him. You did not believe in him. You've got to openly believe in him. You did not follow him. You've got to follow him. Make up your mind to do so. When John, the cousin of Jesus, was preparing the way for the Lord and his ministry, and the multitudes were coming to him to listen to his teaching, in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 8, he told them, Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Now, what does that mean? bear fruits worthy of repentance. What does the word mean again? Repent. Change of mind. But inherently understood is a change of mind that leads to a change of life. And so John was saying, you need to show through your life your act of repentance. It's not just something you verbalize. I repent of my sins. No, that's, that's not... That, that's not enough. You've got to live that changed life. You've got to show through an active lifestyle that you have truly repented. Your life will demonstrate your repentance. In other words, you're living a life of repentance. That's what he was talking about when he said bear fruits worthy of repentance or bear fruits that demonstrate your repentance. In Acts chapter 26, as Paul was standing before King Agrippa on trial, he said, beginning with verse 19, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. What heavenly vision? Christ appeared to him on the road to Damascus. What response did he expect of Paul, Saul of Tarsus at that time? Obedience. And he says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance or works that demonstrate their repentance. 
That is response, an active response that God expects of us in response to his offer of salvation by grace. And without that active response of repentance, and again, it's not just verbalizing some words. It's not just a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's a change of life that's observable. And without that, we cannot expect salvation by God's grace. Jesus said, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. Luke 13 and verse 3. And then he said it again in verse 5. So we must repent. And again, that's active. And that is an active response that God expects of us in response to his offer of salvation by grace. We must turn away from our sins. You see, a whole lot of people, now they wouldn't put it this way, but the way they go on living their lives, they don't want to repent. They want to keep doing what they want to be doing. They want to keep living in sin. God did not send his son to save us in our sins. He sent his son to save us from our sins. Repentance is turning away from our sinfulness. A change of direction, a change of life. And without that response, we cannot, for, we cannot expect salvation by God's grace. Because again, the wages of sin is death. Active response on our part. We'll talk a little bit more about how God expects us to respond to his offer to save us by his grace next time. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for not giving up on us when we have done things that are contrary to your will when we have sinned. Thank you for loving us so much that by your grace you offer us forgiveness and salvation. Father, help us to see clearly and embrace as we understand what you expect of us in response to that offer of forgiveness and salvation by grace. And oh, Father, we need your grace, and the world needs your grace right now so very much. Please help everyone to see that need and help them to humble themselves to come to you for forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and hear our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.